The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Today FM. It all happens here. So what do you make of the decision to now have new treatment guidelines that redefine obesity care? This is something with the support of doctors, patient groups and the HSE. The HSE's National Clinical Lead for Obesity, Professor Donald O'Shea, is with us. Donald, tell us about this decision to move away from treating obesity as a lifestyle illness to recognising it as a disease and being the first country in the European Union to do this. Why? Well, the, the reason is simply that within the medical community for about the last decade, it's been widely accepted that obesity, uh, the disease of obesity, is, is exactly that. Uh, it is influenced by lifestyle factors, like many of the diseases that we look after. Um, but the treatment is not simply uh, eat less and move more. So if you take the example of lung cancer in an individual who smokes, you have a genetic predisposition to get cancer, the smoking brings it out, uh, you're not told stop smoking is your treatment. Uh, malignant melanoma, a skin cancer that you get from too much energy from the sun and a genetic predisposition, you're not told your treatment is put on sunscreen and wear a hat. Is it important to put on sunscreen and wear a hat if you have skin cancer? Absolutely, because you don't want to get more skin cancer. So is lifestyle a component of the treatment of obesity? Absolutely. But it is offensive to tell somebody who has already developed the disease of obesity uh, that eat less, move more is their treatment. We don't do it for other diseases. Uh, We shouldn't do it for obesity. And I suppose going back to your example of lung cancer, there are people who have never smoked in their lives who get lung cancer as well. And there are individuals who have uh, never overeaten in their lives who get the disease of obesity. Uh, you have a strong genetic predisposition to obesity, it will come out with you consuming 1,800 kilocalories a day. And there's many of us who are consuming 2,500, 2,600 calories a day and don't uh, put on weight. We admit some patients for our inpatient program that, and we put them on a highly uh, restricted energy intake combined with physical activity, and they don't lose weight. How are you going to define obesity? Because one of the things before that has been discussed in this programme, and there's been a lot of criticism of the idea of using the BMI, the Body Mass Index, as a way of defining obesity. Is that going to be maintained? Um, So the Body Mass Index uh, does not really appear in these guidelines. So obesity is defined as excess adipose tissue that causes uh, ill health. Uh, You can be healthy at any weight and you can be unhealthy at any weight. So the majority of people who have um, overweight or obesity are beginning to have some of the medical complications of that. They're beginning to have insulin resistance, which is the kind of forerunner of type 2 diabetes. Their blood pressure is beginning to go up, which brings more heart disease. They might be developing sleep disordered breathing and you know we know now that uh, in managing the disease of obesity you need to look beyond the uh, lifestyle you need to look at stress management which is of course a part of lifestyle you need to look at sleep Uh, you need to look at the genetic predisposition and you need to look at the stigma that's associated with uh, having obesity where the individual judges themselves along the narrative of, if only I could eat less and move more, I'd be fine. But we know 
that obesity is more complex than that and that the way the body uh, protects uh, your Okay, and we seem to have your, a problem. Sorry, we, we just so lost you, you there for a second, Donald. As Sorry. a blood donor, because you know that eight weeks later, your blood count will be right back up to where it was and you can give blood again. Uh, the uh, the defence of your peak weight is very similar. You lose weight and your body will, over the next two to three months, make every effort to bring it back up to where it was. And there's only about 5 to 10% of people that can change their lifestyle, lose weight and keep it off. The other 90% of us have a compensation that's in there that brings you back up. And that yo-yo cycle is, is something that many people are very familiar with. Yeah, the genetic component as well, because you mentioned type 2 diabetes earlier, and a lot of people would think that obesity is what causes people to have type 2 diabetes. But could it actually be the other way around, that it's a genetic predisposition, which means you then suffer from the illness of obesity because of your type 2 diabetes? Yeah, I mean, it is that circular relationship. Okay, so uh, if you have a genetic tendency uh, to develop type 2 diabetes, uh, that is because you have uh, insulin resistance and you also have genes that favor weight gain. So you then begin, you're more likely to put on uh, weight with, uh, you know, lower energy intake maybe than somebody else who doesn't have that predisposition and then it becomes that circular uh, if you like vicious cycle of uh, weight gain causing insulin resistance uh, causing more weight gain Um, and that's why we have more people certainly given the food and physical activity environment that we have who are living with severe and complex obesity. What about treatments now? And I'm asking this as a type 2 diabetic myself who has long struggled with putting on weight. But the more modern met- medications, metformin been one, but particularly one in recent times for diabetics, Ozempic, which has now been also diagnosed for people with obesity. Are these actually going to change the management and treatment of uh, the illness of obesity in the future? Yeah, I, I mean, absolutely. And, and Matt, when you said as a type 2 diabetic yourself, that the language is changing and we're really trying to say as some someone with type 2 diabetes, we're trying to move away from the disease defining the person. Uh, you are a person with type 2 diabetes. You are a person with obesity. Uh, the language of I'm an epileptic, I'm an asthmatic, uh, that is part of destigmatizing a condition but the medication that you mentioned right uh, in about three or four years time the likes of ozempic which you've mentioned uh, we'll be using very little because the newer agents that are coming down uh, in development are more effective with less side effects than uh, the ozempic but these medications are going to transform our management of overweight and obesity they are going to be used earlier on because we would hope that with uh, destigmatizing uh, obesity people will come forward speak to their uh, healthcare uh, team uh, raise the issue and not feel judged for doing it because at the moment uh, most people uh, either when they want to raise the issue have it uh, brushed off or feel judged. So, uh, but sorry, Donald, the, can I tell you, there's a lot of judging coming in from a lot of the listeners' comments who are 
basically saying that obesity is due to lifestyle and willpower and this is misleading uh, people who overweight and medicalizing a simple problem that they're responsible for themselves. In other words, obesity is not disease. They're just people who eat too much rubbish. Yeah, and, and uh, you know, that's a narrative uh, that is changing slowly within the medical community. So anyone who sent those messages in would have to tell somebody with heart disease who smokes or lung cancer who smokes or skin cancer, uh, like the malignant melanoma, uh, to stop smoking as their treatment or put on sunscreen and wear a hat and die of your cancer. Another listener says, how come we seem to have many more people who are overweight now compared to years ago? Uh, because the food and physical activity environment has changed radically in the last 40 years. And you have your genetic predisposition and then the food and physical activity environment brings out the phenotype. So if you were going to have the disease of obesity in Ireland 40 years ago, uh, you would have reached a peak weight of maybe 16 or 17 stone. Uh, we didn't have uh, very much of the 24 and 25 stone individuals that we see coming over from America. Uh, now in Ireland, uh, we're pretty much right on a par with the United States of America. So the food and physical activity environment has brought out that phenotype. The prevention of obesity is all around uh, making healthy choices easier, making it easier for parents uh, to, uh, you know, see their kids commute actively to schools, uh, stop the formula feed companies, um, you know, giving breastfeeding a bad name when uh, breastfeeding is by far the best start in life you can have, and and the companies over promote uh, both both the formula and the volume of formula. And that sets the scene uh, for hungry babies uh, that are fed on highly processed uh, foods, which is exactly what the food industry want. Okay, so then what about a focus on food labelling and teaching people from an early age to avoid sugary foods and things like that, which might help them develop the disease in the same way as we try and persuade people not to smoke? Um, well, there's two things. Those programmes, uh, first of all, do exist at the moment uh, and are run. Uh, you know, there's Healthy Food Made Easy, which uh, targets uh, educating parents. Uh, there's the Active School flag, which is moving into secondary school and are going to have a major emphasis on nutrition skills for uh, students who are uh, kind of going to aim to be leaving school with practical uh, cookery skills. And those are the kind of things uh, that will, uh, you know, impact on healthy pregnancies in the decade and decades ahead. And you really need that. And historically, prevention programs, uh, like, so you mentioned stop smoking. Uh, so in the 1970s, there wasn't a major stop smoking emphasis. There was significant treatment of heart disease, significant treatment of lung cancer. And then when we got on top of treating it, there was a big emphasis on the prevention. And there's a huge emphasis appropriately on stop smoking or don't start smoking. Uh, I think the fact that we're treating obesity as a disease is going to really energize the prevention piece because that's the history of uh, medicine and managing medical conditions. 
Okay, thank you very much, Professor Donald O'Shea, for joining us here on the Last Word of Today FM. Okay, your comments zero eight seven four one hundred one zero two. Your last word, listener says, education so important, but what can we do if teachers use rewards like jellies, sweets in school to get kids to behave? Another listener says, I'm sitting here eating a bag of chips. I'll be going to the gym tomorrow. I get there four times a week and I work sixty hour weeks. There's absolutely no excuse for obesity. Well. Great for you if that's it works out for you that you're able to eat your bag of chips and you go to the gym. But I go to the gym twice a week, heavy workouts. I exercise lots of other days in the week on top of that as well. And I still have issues with my weight, which have been dealt with since I've been diagnosed as a type 2 diabetic with a particular medication. But still is a struggle all the time. And it's not for laziness on my part and it's not necessarily for overeating. And there are many people I know who would be considered by others to be fat and it's not through any fault of their own. It is their genetics. The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Weekdays from 4.30. Today.